Wow, you guys went faster than I was planning. <laughs> Glad I had uh, my uh, key grips here, putting the, putting the paper up. <laughs> it's always good to have key grips. Best boys, they also like to go by. Uh, hey, welcome. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here with Artisan Church. And uh, it's good to be back here. Uh, I was away this last weekend and uh, visiting my, my hometown and hanging out with the people I graduated from high school with some 20 years ago. And so it was great to have this pause in my life. The only problem is I'm not very good at pausing. In fact, I'm quite poor at it, of, of just stopping for a bit. Now, I'm, I'm fantastic at getting burned out or being lazy or, you know, spent. I can do those real well. Uh, workaholic, you know, the extremes that neither have hel- are healthy. But just pausing. That I don't do so well at. So it was good in a sense to be forced to do that, to have already had the plans in place and to take off. And so one of the things about Northern Maine is it is an excellent place to pause because there's not always a lot to do up there. It's not the land of high-speed internet or internet or... They had it at the library. Um, You had to crank this thing on the wall and talk to a lady and... She said, then she'd search Google for you and tell you stuff. Um, but with all my free time, when I wasn't doing all the festivities of my reunion, which there were many and, and I enjoyed quite thoroughly, uh, I had lots of time at my house. And I was exploring a little bit because it's changed a bit, my mom's house. And I noticed up on the shelf in my old bedroom, this box. I thought, what? Is that what I think it is? And it was. And so I, I reached up there and pulled this box down. And uh, here, let me open it here. Well, first, the box itself has a bit of a story, which was a really neat to be reminded. It started with this old-fashioned lock that I found, I think, when I was eight years old or so, in my grandfather's workbench. And since I found the lock, I figured this needs a box to go on. And so my grandfather and I paused and made this box. I did most of the work. Uh, as I recall, he, he cut some of the, uh, the boards on the old saw he had with no safety features, no guardrail, big spinning belt all exposed out there, and whirling blade. Uh, he did that part, but then I banged it all together. I remember going to the hardware store with them and getting the hinges and all that. And so it wasn't just a box, but it represented a really special time I had with my grandfather. Then I opened it up, and I'm not making this up, not that you could check on that, but, uh, but I'm telling the truth. And when I opened up, I found some pretty cool things inside. One of them was this right here. And I recognize that it's a Pinewood Derby car that I had made that came in second to last place um, <laughs> back in the day. Because apparently you're supposed to put lead weights on the bottom. And uh, I at least crossed the finish line. The kid who lost altogether... His stopped right short of the finish line. But even though it came in second to last for, uh, for racing, it won first place for design. Or as, as Jaron, my son, said, so what you're telling me, Dad, is you won the fashion award. I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good, good kid. Um, but it wasn't just a reminder of, of a fun event or, or winning a trophy. This represented a rather rare occurrence in my and my dad's life where we had paused long enough to work on something together. We're still not very good at that some 30 years later. And so 
is just a wonderful reminder of, of a pause that created something. And then I kept digging around in here, and there was other stuff. But then I pulled out this. And uh, depending on your background, you may think there's all kinds of different things in this bag. But are those seeds? What's, no. No. Uh, but the nerds in the room, oh, yeah. You recognize that sound. We've got a lot of nerds here at Artisan. It's okay. We're, you're in good company. Inside was my Dungeons and Dragons dice, huh? None of those sissy six-sided Euro game die. These are 20-sided. See how the message is gonna go tonight. A four, it's okay. I got a plus 10 sword of preaching. That uh, will just add to that. Um, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? If I pulled out a sword right now. And inside was even the, uh, the little character, the little cast iron character of my of my Dungeons and Dragons guy, a uh, little thief, an elven thief called Gwathdal, right? Had the, huh? It's like, no. Here's my character sheet. Let's see, he was strength, was 18, with a plus four and a plus 10. That's pretty serious stuff. Dexterity was a 20. That's a perfect roll, a 20 with a plus three. So, and those who are familiar with Tolkien's work, uh, not as more familiar, you know, Lord of the Rings, stuff like that, but the Cimmerillion. You, of course, will recognize that Gwathdal is elvish for Shadowfoot. Um, yeah. It was a nerd storm that once a week I would push pause with a handful of my friends and we would hang out in Troy Freilich's dining room table playing Dungeons and Dragons. So it was a great box to come across and to find. But boxes are kind of funny things. They, they often say a lot about our lives, about what's important to us, about what we prioritize and what matters. And so when you think of the boxes in your life, what do you think of? What are some boxes that help define who you are, for good or bad? Boxes that give a context to the things you do or set some parameters, put hard edges on what's often the soft contours of life. If I were to put this box with, you know, seven in a row, you know, one, two, three, four, five, seven, and then, then a few other rows, you'd recognize that box, right? Your calendar? Is that a box that defines anything? You know, whether it's Monday or Wednesday or Friday night, or whether it's due by the 4th, or the check shows up on the 15th, or... Those are boxes. Or, what's another one? Let's see if we put a little, uh, let's put a two-button mouse with a wheel and the side buttons, yeah, because it's a Windows user. Um, <laughs> anyone sit in front of one of these boxes that has that attached to it? Does that define your life at all? The things that you do when you're on the job, the things you are supposed to be doing when you're on the job, the things you actually do, this box when you're on the job? Or what if, this, what if the box was part of a floor plan? Throw four of them together, put a little workstation there and there and there, and then repeat and just dot, 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 dot. Anyone have the cubicle box? And so boxes, they, they show up in our lives in many places. And how we handle these boxes 
what we do with those says a lot about what's important. And as we're in this series, pause, one of the things we need to pause and take a kind of a, an assessment of are the boxes. Because it begs the question, these boxes do, is that what life is? Is life just a series of boxes that you check off? Whether it's a calendar, a computer, a cubicle, and that just one box after another keeps coming our way, and it's our job to just keep checking them off. It's a good question. Well, in Deuteronomy, chapter 5, if you want to flip there. It's on page 142 of the, the Bibles that are provided. We get this, this concept that begins to deal with some of the box in our lives. And it's this biblical idea of the Sabbath. This, this idea that you pause once a week and do something different. We'll talk about what that should be or could be and what that might look like. Uh, but this idea of Sabbath is incredibly important, this weekly rhythm. Uh, it's mentioned some 117 times in the Bible. Uh, the Old Testament, about 61, 56 in the New Testament. In the Gospels, all by themselves, there's some 45 mentions of, the, of Sabbath. And so, pretty, pretty significant concept, probably. In two places in Scripture, it's given its original context. The idea of, of observing a Sabbath was part of the Ten Commandments. And if you're familiar with even a handful of those, you remember it's, you know, don't kill people, don't steal their stuff, uh, don't cheat on your spouse with someone else's spouse, don't kill people to cheat on the spouse and steal their stuff, don't do any of those. And right up there with those is push pause once a week. Now, to our minds, that's crazy that murdering folks has the same priority as taking a break once a week. Just so it must be important. Well, here's what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 through 15, speaks to this idea of what happens if life is just a series of checkboxes. What does that look like and what should it be instead? And so follow along with me. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 through 15. It's the fourth commandment out of, out of the Ten Commandments. It says, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock, or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so the, the phrase that jumped out at me when I was looking at this was, remember that you were a slave. And if life is a series of checkboxes, man, it can feel that way. Now, no one here, I suspect, has experienced the kind of slavery that's hinted at in this passage or the, the worst kind human history has, has offered us. But when you're just checking off boxes, 
that can be incredibly debilitating if that's all life is. And so for the Jewish people, the Hebrew people that this command was given to, God was reminding them that just not very long ago, they had been enslaved. And their checkbox was, you know, make a brick, put it in the wall. You know, make a brick, put it in the wall. What are you going to do today? Now make a brick, put it in the wall. Check. What would you do yesterday? Made a brick, I put it in the wall. Check. What are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to make a brick, put it in the wall. Check. Anyone have any jobs or routines that feel a lot like making a brick and putting it in the wall? And here in the midst of that, God says, you're not meant to live that way. And one of the most radical ways to break out of that is to push pause. To push pause. But of course, as soon as we say that, we all start to think, what will happen if I push pause? What things will fall apart if I'm not on the job? You know, how will this family ever stay together? This, this job get done? My classes won't take care of themselves. Uh, you know, God's certainly not going to take care of things if I don't help him out. All right? We do that. I'm a huge fan of all the productivity theories and tools that have come through the last couple decades or so. Anyone else kind of an addict for productivity? Porn, you know? Is it, does it have a checklist? Is it uh, got something that slides or moves? Is there software I can install? Does it, will it take me more time to record what I'm doing than doing the actual task? Does anyone really? Yeah, I see, see a few hands out there. I know a bunch of you are lying when you don't raise your hand. So I was introduced to that stuff at an early age. Uh, but really, when it took hold was in college, doing an internship uh, with a, another youth pastor. And I was introduced to Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Because you need to have habits, seven of them, so that you can be highly effective. Because there are a lot of checkboxes out there. And you're never going to get to them all unless you become more effective. And then there was the, uh, the Franklin Day Planner thing and all that other stuff. There was a plug-in for Microsoft Outlook that I had for a while. It never worked. It had like these marbles you'd put in a jar and, and a dog would come out and tell you you're doing good or something. I don't know. It's Microsoft. Um, but the latest thing in the last few years is getting things done. Anyone part of that Dave and Allen cult? Yes, GTD, where it's all about getting things done. And they're all wonderful ways of of approaching tasks, except for the, the major flaw, which probably isn't the intention of those who create these systems, but they tend to reinforce the checkbox behavior, right? That the more you do those things and you become more effective, all you're doing is, let's see, if I can do in three days what I used to do in four, well, now I have an extra day to do something else. I can put another checkbox there. In fact, for some of us, it's such an issue, admit it, that sometimes when you, when you do a task that for whatever reason you haven't captured in your day planner, your iPhone, you know, written on the back of your hand, you will look around, see if anyone's watching, and as long as there isn't, you will do this somewhere in a piece of paper. You'll put a little checkbox and you'll write what you just did. And you will have checked off another box and that endorphin rush, right? Like, yes. God says, no. 
take a break. Right up there with killing people and cheating on your spouse. Take a day off. Push pause. And so that's, that's sort of the negative view of, of the boxes in our lives. But what if there was another way of dealing with boxes, of... of viewing them in our lives. Well, there's another passage of Scripture. The book of Exodus, chapter 20. Just flip back a little bit. You'll come there eventually. Page 58, it looks like, in those Bibles. That is interesting when it's a, it's a retelling of the Ten Commandments or another, another telling of it. And when it gets to this commandment on the Sabbath, it's almost identical, except for the reason it gives at the end. Now, it's not in conflict. They're not disagreeing. They're quite complementary, in fact. But whereas Deuteronomy says life is not a series of checkboxes, and that's why you should push pause, Exodus gives another reason as well. So let's, let's hear the scripture together as well. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11 the fourth of the Ten Commandments. It says again, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. So, so far all the same. And here's the twist, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. And so this Exodus passage pulls from that creation story where the purposes of creation are laid out there in this seven-day pattern. Whether that's literal or not, not really important for this. Uh, I tend to think it's more figurative, uh, not to mention that Right next to this passage, Genesis 1, you have Genesis 2, which is a, another creation account. So may not have been the point. But it was meant to say something true about God. And it says in the midst of all this creating, of doing, of, you know, heaven, check. Earth, check. You know, fish, birds, men, check. Man, I'm, I'm forgetting something. Women, check. Right? I threw that one in the end. Uh, then he rests. Why does God rest? Did he get to the end of that six days or, or what those six days represent? And it's just like, that really took it out of me. I'm just going to have to take a break, get back to this on Monday. You know, you know, was UPS late with the last batch of stuff? And he just, you know, it's a Saturday. There's no deliveries. I'm just going to have to wait till. No, God doesn't need extra resources. He doesn't grow tired. So why would he rest? And if he rests, why is he asking us to rest? I think a lot of other theologians and scholars think that God just was enjoying the creation. How many have a real easy time just pushing pause and enjoying whatever's going on around you without having the flood of checkboxes, you know, pollute your mind? It's hard to do, isn't it? So here's this other picture. So we had in Deuteronomy, remember, you were a slave. And then in Exodus, remember, even God rested 
and enjoyed what was going on. And so taken together, these two explanations of the Sabbath say this. They say that life is either this, life is either a checkbox, or it's a gift. And to the extent you pause to figure that out, often makes it one or the other. Life is either a checkbox or a gift box. Pause to decide. And here's the kicker. It's the same box. And you can do good things and make them checkboxes. Did I spend time with my kids today? Check. Did I talk to my wife today? Check. Did I go to church this Sunday? Check. That's one way of dealing with life. Same box. Was I a gift to my kids today? Let's open that one up. Was I a gift to my spouse today? That's a gift worth opening. Was I a gift to the church that I'm a part of? Same box. Same exact box. But there's something radical that happens when we push pause that turns a lot of those boxes from just check boxes to finally being gifts. Puts them in perspective. And so what do you do with that? How do we make sense of the boxes in our lives? And this idea of a Sabbath, which I somewhat admitted up front, I am really bad at. I have a terrible habit of not pushing pause. I can do fast forward, I can even do rewind, but pause, not so much. And does it become a legalistic thing where, oh, we better make life a gift. Is life a gift? Check. Oh, and it comes right back over here, right? <laughs> Here's what Jesus says about all these things, which I think is both helpful and frustrating at the same time. Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 27 through 28. This is what Jesus said about this whole idea of pushing pause once a week and how we can receive even that as a gift and not just another checkbox. He said to his followers, to his disciples, the Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And so if life is a gift, as Jesus is, is implying there, and it's not a series of checkboxes or, or a test where you fill in the blank, then there's really only one question you have to answer. Who is Lord of the boxes? <laughs> I know when I'm Lord of the boxes, this is what happens every time. And then there's always more boxes that I never quite get to. Or if I get to all of them, I feel pretty good about myself. And then I add more boxes anyways. But when Christ is Lord of the boxes, so you're saying, sitting at a cubicle on a computer on a Wednesday, hump day, that that could somehow be a gift, either the day itself, or because I've pushed pause somewhere else in the week, it makes this bearable, even puts it in, a, in another light. 
Who is Lord of the boxes in your life? And so practically speaking, what could this look like? If the discipline that goes with this concept of pausing weekly is, is observing a Sabbath, what does that look like in our context? I think some folks asked those questions last week when Pastor Scott was talking about pausing daily. I think a few questions came in the info cards. You know, does Sabbath have the same connotation now that we have all these modern conveniences? Does Sabbath have the same connotation now that we have all these modern distractions? Is it easier? Is it harder? Does it have to be a Saturday, a Sunday? Can I do it Wednesday evening through Tuesday morning? Uh, do I have to do it at the same time as my spouse, my kids? What if I'm a pastor? No easy answers to that. And so in classic artisan form, I'm not going to give you one because I don't have one. But I'd point you back to the principle. Are you treating life as a series of checkboxes or as a gift? And here's what the Apostle Paul says as you're trying to figure this out. Another one of those incredibly helpful and somewhat frustrating passages. In Romans chapter 14, verse 5, he says, some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. So you're going to have to make up your mind. I would say for most of us, pushing pause once a week for an uninterrupted 24-hour period is probably a good idea. And that's going to look different for each of us. If you're someone who's always with people, you pushing pause might be, go be by yourself. If you're someone who doesn't get to be with the people you want to be with all the rest of the times, pausing for you, maybe carving out time to be with those folks. If you have a wonderful hobby that makes you break a sweat, costs thousands of dollars, uh, but you never get to do it because you're checking off boxes, that might be your Sabbath, and that's okay but you gotta make up your own mind because there's another box that we all end up in. <laughs> and this box really puts things into perspective. Anyone recognize that box? And we love uh, here at Artisan Church really mining some of the rich history of the Christian faith. And there's one of these old practices that saints of old, the men and women, would do that relates to this box. Uh, if you look at some sacred artwork, some old paintings, uh, you might see on, on the desk or in the hand of a saint a skull. Seems kind of morbid. They don't have the, the emo hair in their eyes, so you're wondering, what? It's a skull there. Uh, it was this practice of contemplating your death. And so they would literally get a human skull, because you could back in those days, put it on your desk, hold it in your hand, and just reflect on, at the end of my life, what will it have meant? And it's a bit morbid in our culture. We try to avoid death, unless we can do it in giant screens with blood splattered everywhere, CGI. That death we can handle, but the actual real stuff, 
we avoid. But to reflect for a moment on this box and to think, well, here's one way. Or is it a gift? And the kicker is, it's the same box. And what we do in this life, the choices we make, which often are defined by all the boxes, will say a lot about what the end of it will mean. Will it be the end? Or will it be another gift to be opened? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God of creation. And we thank you that you are a God of rest. We thank you that you care so much about your children not being enslaved to whatever boxes are in their lives, that you even command us to push pause, even if it's just for one day a week. And we admit, God, that that is a difficult practice. That is a habit and a concept that is completely foreign to most of us and quite foreign to our culture. And so our prayer is you would help us reflect on the boxes in our lives. For those who are followers of Christ, it is sometimes easy to turn that first love, what was such an incredible gift when we first received it, to turn it just to another series of checkboxes. God, as your followers, we repent of that. And if pushing pause in our lives will help reorient that, we pray you'd make that happen. And for those, those folks here that, that are seeking and searching, that are trying to figure out who God is, or maybe struggling with the box they have and whether God fits in the box or not and are hopefully finding out that he doesn't. Reveal yourself to them as well. And while they're on the search, protect them from the lie that says faith in you is a box to check off. Help us receive the life you offer as a gift. Help us to push pause to enjoy that gift. And help us to be a gift, one to another. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's word, to maybe what God's spirit's been doing through the singing and the prayer and the time here. And one of the ways we always do that at Artisan is through the table of Christ, which so wonderfully represents this right here.
so if you are seeking to follow after Jesus, and as we say week in and week out, you do not have to have that figured out. Figuring out Jesus is not something you will ever check off. <laughs> Trying to figure it out, that's a gift. Wherever you are on that journey, if you're seeking to be closer to him with your daily walk, the table is open to you. And uh, I'm gonna need a couple volunteers to bring some bread here and put it there, as I see there isn't any. And what you can do is, is approach this table, tear a piece of the bread, representing Christ's broken body, and then dip it in the wine of the juice that's labeled there, and then take it and receive it. Recognizing that even in death, Christ was giving us a gift. And as we receive that gift here and now, when our death finally rolls around, he'll tear open that box also. Amen? Let me pray one last time. So God, now as we, as we respond to you in the way you're leading, uh, bring to mind those things that we need to surrender to you. Heal the parts that are broken and hurt. Challenge us where we are slow to respond and encourage us. And above all, let the remaining time of our worship and response be our gift to you and your gift to us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.